The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. My name is Josh Norris, joined, as always, on this Tuesday by Handsome Hayne Winks and not John Daigle. Gentlemen, how are we? I can 100% confirm that you are not feeling as good as I am right now. That's for sure. No one can. No one can. Was that not Handsome John Daigle, or is that a play on his Twitter handle? I'm kind of that's, a play, here. That's, that's a play on his Twitter handle. Good, that my thought. said last summer was changing, paid someone off on Twitter.com. It's has gone the same path as the artwork behind John Daigle. It is non-existent. It is exactly the same as it was 365 days ago. We went to negotiations. I didn't pay him off and, and I failed at negotiations. Uh, I will I'll quickly about Sunday morning, though. I will say normally that's a tea time waiting for me. But in a pandemic, when you're quarantined, the rules are all thrown out. So I changed strategy, Josh. And I think I tuned in with you and the rest of the Villa fans as we were watching Jackie Grealish try yes. and keep Villa alive. Every week we follow the boys in Clarendon Blue, right, Dago? I'm so glad that you have jumped on board this, this club that can only progress. I mean, truly, it can only go up. They were last in the Premier League of all the teams that were able to stay up. But now, you know, maybe put another $100 million into the fold this offseason. Who knows what could happen? The sky is the limit for Aston Villa Football Club. Dago, I'm just so glad to have you on board. Hey, you're up next. Not to ruin your joy, but jumping on board is like Stanford trained in New York. I got off at Old Greenwich. Like that was one <laughs> Sunday, and then I got out for pizza. That's about it. I do want to say we don't have to talk about this. Uh, I do appreciate everyone's kind words again. And we talked about this on the podcast last week with Pat. It does give you like this sense of why sports are so cool and like puts me back in tune with my old self in some ways and and why I ended up doing this. I know it's a completely different sport, but just the feeling that only sports can give you is is just the sensation that was so lost for me for so long. And now it's back. And yeah, I'm curious, Hayden, when is the last time? Because I missed that feeling like Hayden, when is the last time you felt childlike joy and it doesn't even have to be sports it can be something nostalgic even though you were a child yesterday i would probably say like like high school sports like me personally but like outside of that i mean usc football hasn't been good for like 12 14 15 years so i'd say uh, reggie bush matt liner hmm. that's fair 
just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Um, was it some, like, uh, wrestler winning the championship belt? They go for you? Uh, like Seth Rollins cashing in on Brock Lesnar? The three moments really quickly that come to mind are either Manziel beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa, uh, Dean Ambrose cashing in the money in the bank to defeat the ghost of Seth Rollins in Las Vegas. I remember we partied all night. Who, who could then, have seen that coming? I mean, that wasn't written in stone or anything. And then I think most recently before that, though, was whenever I was first introduced to the Ginyu Force when rewatching Dragon Ball Z. Like, I didn't know they existed. And then to hear their theme song, which you can YouTube, by the way, it has like 7 million views and I'm 5 million of them. Uh, childlike joy, instant to hear them. So today we will move on from this topic. I will say that. And again, I appreciate everyone's kind words out there. This is Good not you. the last you will hear from Aston Villa Football Club. No, they just start up in about six weeks time. So that is wonderful news with everything going on here in the United States. I will at least have something fun to look forward to overseas. And the goal, by the way, still to this day, because the bosses are listening and the people are listening, is to get to Villa Stadium. Villa Arena, I guess that's what it's called. No, and to... And to <laughs> And to record with those people at whatever their arena is called, we're going to go record a show there. It's Villa Park. Villa Park, that's it, yeah. Villa Park. It's not an arena. There's nothing. There's no dome or anything. Okay, so today's episode was a Hayden Wink special, actually. Uh, We're going to talk about six team stacks that you should be targeting, that you should be proactively looking out for. Before we get to that, actually, and this is a curveball, Hayden, I do want to throw this question to you. You know, we saw a massive trade over the last few days in the NFL with the Seattle Seahawks trading two first-round picks over to the New York Giants to land Jamal Adams. We know that he's a fantastic player. We know that the Jets are somewhat in rebuild mode. I guess they were never built in the first place, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, But my question, Hayden, is this. With such a monstrous deal, you know, two first-round picks – exchanging hands and maybe a top five, top 10 player, obviously at his position. What does it say about the worth of both sides of that? The the draft capital and the safety position that basically the projected win totals did not change for either team. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the advanced data has kind of been showing this, especially at the safety position, which I think is probably a little bit undervalued relative to the salaries right now. I think that's something I would be exploiting if I was, trying to run a team, but once again, it's a defensive player. And the, the big thing with the Seahawks is not only did you trade 
multiple first round picks, you also have to pay him at a, uh, an above market rate because now they're forced to paying him uh, because now that they've traded and they didn't uh, agree to a contract at the time of the trade. So they're going to pay above market rate plus the two first round picks. So that's why it's uh, scary for the Seahawks, but I get it. They're in a win now mode with Russell Wilson and they have uh, a, like obviously Tyler Locke and DK Metcalf. And but like for the Jets, this is the biggest no brainer ever. You have this gives them an opportunity to reset moving forward. If Sam Darnold doesn't play, maybe you're in in line for someone like Trevor Lawrence, um, but also gets Joe Douglas some more draft capital moving forward. Whether the idea was truthfully to keep Adams or not, how could you ever turn down two first and a third? The Cowboys were the ones out on the deal because they were questioning whether they should hand over a first. But two first is insane and such a good deal. Uh, we discussed this in the past and how I've argued that I do believe safety is the most important position in football. The difference is like what? right now, we, we've discussed this last year. The difference is- I eliminated that from my memory. No, no, no. We talked about this. And uh, the difference is though, like we don't have an Ed Reed or a Paula Malu who at their peak literally changed the game. Um, but I think Adams is the closest thing we have to that in football because he's such an inside-the-box safety as well. He's arguably the best pass rusher the moment he plays a snap in Seattle since that's where they lacked last year. So, yeah, I mean, I love the deal for both sides, honestly. All right, let's get into today's show. Again, the six stacks of teams that you should be prioritizing in your fantasy drafts. We each will have two, we'll nominate two, and hopefully even give you kind of our game plan, the rubric that you can follow in order to achieve this in your fantasy drafts as well. Hayden Winks, you're up first. Which team should everyone be looking to stack out there this year? Well, before we get in there, I want to explain why we need to be stacking. And it's basically just a yeah. correlation thing. Let's say you're drafting a, a wide receiver in the fifth round. By drafting him, you think that he's going to be good. That means that most likely his quarterback is going to be good. So that's why you're kind of incentivized to draft this quarterback later or vice versa. Let's say there's somebody like you have Kyler Murray and then you want to draft Christian Kirk later. But you want to be uh, aligning your team and have just a uh, basically your your wide receiver paired with the quarterback and then your tight end, especially your tight end paired with um, your quarterback. So that's why we're doing this. And this is not in just like best ball leagues, not just tournaments. I think that in your home league, you can do some mini stacks here. You don't have to go overboard with it. But uh, having a quarterback and a receiver on your team is probably the way to go. Daigle, do you, do you agree with that? Absolutely. You are trying to increase your chances of winning, your probability. Yes, you can absolutely win without stacking. No doubt about it. Everyone can probably run through their past leagues and name someone, even high stakes leagues. I believe uh, like the pros versus Joes, the, the slim best ball that's going on right now was won a couple years ago when it with Gronk as the only tight end and it wasn't a stack at all. It's certainly possible. There's anomalies out there but we are trying to increase our odds of winning. So I think it's still very important, even in redraft, to go three deep on offenses. And again, if I was a better host, I would have said this beforehand because we kind of agreed to this. We're going to talk about six teams, and that's not going to include the Baltimore Ravens or the Kansas City Chiefs, mm -hmm. I think for a multitude of reasons. One, I think all of you are smart enough out there to go and get pieces of that offense that you can. I think the other factor in that is Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson are just going so early in drafts, and especially the Chiefs stack. If you're going to go Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Patrick Mahomes, that's basically your first three picks in a fantasy draft. And I would probably only advocate for that in high stakes leagues and not necessarily in your office league as well. And, you know, the Ravens are on the other side of that coin a little bit with Lamar Jackson 
obviously going very early in drafts as well. But again, let me repeat, we love and we almost certainly would put the Chiefs and the Ravens on this list. But just for this exercise, we're not going to. Remember that clinic I put on the live show, I think in July, where I draft, drafted Lamar, Mark Andrews, and Marquise Brown. That is how you do it, folks. There we go. Go back and listen to that. I believe that was the July live draft. Go back and find that in your podcast feed if you want to check it out. And again, if you're watching us on YouTube, go and check us out on all of your podcast apps. All right. Now, let's get started. Hayden Winks, your first team is... All right, I promise no more tangents. All right, I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons. I think this is a the probably the easiest team to stack in like your just general home league because Matt Ryan's not going until the 97th pick right now. He's the quarterback eight. Calvin Ridley is the 42nd overall pick. He's the wide receiver 14. Hayden Hurst is the tight end eight. He's at the 76th pick. So if you're talking about the middle rounds, anywhere from like round three through round 10, you can pair all three of these guys Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, and Hayden Hurst. And I'm not even throwing in there Julio Jones, who, of course, you can stack with. Um, I think just this offense in general is just going to be so pass-heavy. They were first in pass attempts last season. They run at a fast rate. They play uh, Last year, they had the fifth most plays per minute. And I'm projecting them for the uh, second most uh, uh, plays this season. So there's really just no way I don't think that this can fail unless there's injuries here. I think the talent is too, too big, and they've been doing this for basically a half decade. I recently stopped by the PFF Fantasy Podcast to have a conversation with some newbie named Ian Harditz. <laughs> and he asked me if I believe in Hayden Hurst. And the thing is, I don't believe in Hayden Hurst. But I believe in his usage, and that's all that matters, in particular at such a volatile position like tight end. Uh, I, we've said it before, but Jaden Graham last year in the three games Austin Hooper missed actually ran the seventh most routes among tight ends. So with Austin Hooper gone now, that doesn't mean Jaden Graham takes that spot. It means Hayden Hurst receives that usage. I don't know if a high target share, I don't know if any amount of production comes from it, but I guarantee he is going to compete with the upper echelon, the, uh, the Zach Ertz, the Mark Andrews of the league in routes run and just percentage of routes run on the snaps he plays. And that's all I care about. So I'm treating him as such. And if he busts, oh, well, at least he's on the field running sprints. I love this call, Hayden, because you don't even have to factor in Julio Jones, right? And, you know, a lot of these early round picks, you have to be in the right place at the right time and kind of luck into them and really rely on the rest of your league to not draft them in order to get them. That's not the case, though, with you mentioned Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, and Hayden Hurst. Calvin Ridley is going ahead of anyone else of that trio. And he's going, what, in the middle of the fourth round? That's something yeah. that if you have a pick in the early fourth round, you can almost guarantee yourself Calvin Ridley. And he's one of those names that the standard rankings that are in a lot of draft rooms out there uh, across the fantasy landscape, I've seen them all the way down there as like wide receiver 18, wide receiver 19. You know, he's someone that this is why you want to go in and and change your rankings ahead of time, or at least tag him in your queue before that draft starts. Because to me, he's going, he should be going well above his wide receiver 17, wide receiver 16 ADP right now. Yeah, I think the floor is just so high. They also have the toughest schedule in the league. So they're, they're just going to be passing the ball a ton. And I think there's still some upside left on the table. Last year, they only scored a touchdown on 52% of their red zone, red zone trips. That was 25th in the NFL. So if you think the Falcons are better than the 25th best offense, hence they are, then we should expect them to score some more touchdowns this year. So that's great news for Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst. So I think right, 
one last tangent. Hayden Hurst, I think, is kind of being underrated. Yes, we, he, he shouldn't have been a first-round pick, but he was like a, a really strong talent. He he wasn't like a some nobody that came out of nowhere. He was a, a good player, and he was 11th in yards per route run last season. He was fifth in expected points added uh, per catch out of like 200 players last year. That includes wide receivers. He's not just some scrub. Like the guy has some talent here. Uh, I, and oh, go ahead, Josh. I think that we might question or some people might question Hayden Hurst's, Hayden Hurst's talent. But if he gives you 85, 90% in a 16 game season, Austin Hooper did last year, Austin Hooper, who in full point PPR or half point PPR was a top three to four tight end in all formats last year. Yeah. I can definitely take that where Hayden Hurst is going in drafts right now. I question that he may opt out for being 47 years old, but beyond that, as someone who has stacked the Falcons this year, the the issue when you're doing it, it's actually really easy to get Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. The hmm. thing is, you have to force Matt Ryan at that point and right. draft him a round or two earlier than you normally would and miss out on Carson Wentz, perhaps even Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford, the list goes on and on. That's the only issue when stacking the Falcons. Hey, Diego, one, one thing I've noticed when I'm doing these drafts, if I drafted, let's like using your example, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones mm-hmm. or like the Browns guys, uh, you have Odell and Jarvis Landry. What I've noticed is other teams are wanting to stack and the, their quarterback isn't being drafted as high because other teams aren't trying to draft that quarterback because they don't have their receivers. So I don't, I have found myself waiting a little bit longer than other people just because I, I, I find that their quarterbacks are falling a little bit later just because I have all this pass catchers. Terrific. It's, it's dangerous though. It's dangerous. I mentioned a piece of content that we usually do of taking advantage of the standard rankings on a draft room or a draft site that you might be using out there. If you want to go check that out, we will have that at some point in our draft guide and in our season long tools. You can just go over to rotorworld.com slash edge to go and check out our premium products. All right, let's move on. I'll take the next team. Let's go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I mean, again, we've talked about this. You can basically throw out everything that the Pittsburgh Steelers did in 2019. Um, but because of that season was so awful, everyone's forgotten just how incredible 2018 was. I mean, they were first in pass attempts in 2018. They were fifth in plays per game in 2018. That They had a point differential of plus 68 on the season. Ben Roethlisberger was the freaking quarterback two in fantasy points per game. Antonio Brown, who was on the roster at the time, was the overall wide receiver two in fantasy points per game. Juju Smith-Schuster was the wide receiver nine in fantasy points per game. Where are all those guys going now? Well, we can kind of substitute, obviously, Deontay Johnson for where Antonio Brown was going, but Deontay's going as the wide receiver 39 early in the 10th round. Juju, the wide receiver 12, 38th overall, early in the fourth round. Ben Roethlisberger, the freaking quarterback 19, 12th round. It is The avenue is so easy to get a wide receiver, wide receiver, quarterback stack here. And again, the earliest you have to invest is Juju Smith-Schuster, who in the early part of the fourth round, or even you want to reach on him if you need to, at the end of the third round, I think, and we said the same thing 365 days ago, there is an avenue where Juju Smith-Schuster leads the NFL in targets this season. Again, it all relies on Ben Roethlisberger coming back from like his ligament surgery in his elbow, but it's kind of a no-lose situation at the price tag of where Roethlisberger is going right now. You don't become one of only 10 receivers since 1920 to record 2,300 receiving yards in your first two years in the league uh, because you're a fluke. 
And that's what Juju Smith-Schuster did before last year. No matter what the organization thinks about him, Juju Smith-Schuster is an absolute star. And I have all the faith in the world. I should have mentioned that last week I noticed. I didn't back him as heavily as I, I should have because I think he finishes as a wide receiver six to eight overall in that range. And last year basically didn't matter since he didn't have Rossberger and battled injuries from week two on. The difference is... If this stack hits, there will be loads of Roethlisberger, Juju, and Deontay Johnson, especially since the ladder is being reached on right now. There won't be Roethlisberger, Juju, and James Washington. And I think that's where a little edge is there because his, he's still going to be on the field. Uh, Deontay Johnson may have been more successful last year, but it's still James Washington who led the team in air yards per game and had the highest average depth of target among all of them last year. So just to be relevant, particularly in best ball for spike weeks, that three-man combo is how you get an edge over the other three if you believe they hit. Yeah, I agree with the James Washington calls, particularly in these best ball formats where we're drafting like 20 rounds. Maybe your home league doesn't have as deep of, of rosters where you're kind of waiting for James Washington on the waiver wire. I bet he's going to be uh, somebody that Dago's going to be writing up early in the season just for those reasons. If uh, James Washington connects on a deep pass, that's going for a touchdown. He's their primary deep threat. And if Big Ben's healthy, those are going to be the plays that we can expect. And I think the second that we see footage of Ben Roethlisberger on the practice field in August throwing the football around, all of these ADPs are going to climb a little bit. And I think rightfully so. I'm kind of a little bit hesitant on investing in these guys just because, I mean, we're talking about an older quarterback who basically almost had like Tommy John surgery. And But the second I see any videos of Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> throwing at full game reps and stuff, I'm going to bring all these guys up. I might even throw out Eric Ebron, who's going as like the tight end 18 right now. Like if you really miss on tight ends in your league, he's someone that, I mean, the Steelers were cap strapped this off season and they went out and wanted to upgrade over Vance McDonald. And in their eyes, they did that with Eric Ebron. But, and I want to take a step back. And again, I should have led with this to me, the key here. And like, we know you can stack any offense out there, right? But I want to target offenses that can potentially be top 10 units in 2020 and most likely on winning teams, but have had a dip in cost heading into the season based on last season. And I don't think there's a team that fits that model more than the Pittsburgh Steelers who maybe in 2018, they certainly didn't have the defense that they had in 2019. So yes, they had to throw more often. They had to rely on their offense more often, but the entire package, again, if we can rely on these players namely Ben Roethlisberger, who is healthy this season. If he is, then this is going to be a top 10 team in the NFL, one who's going to be ahead on the scoreboard, one that is going to be efficient, and one that has true playmakers. I think Deontay Johnson could really emerge and break out the season if everything clicks because he can be that number one wide receiver for them on the outside while Juju occupies the slot. Again, this is a team that dipped last year, and I want to take advantage of that dip right now. Yeah, if you're if you're listening and it's rounding into August, if you haven't been checking in the offseason, back in like June, Deontay Johnson was like every fantasy analyst is just like biggest guy. Like everyone, he was like the most talked about player for all of June. So that's why he's kind of snuck up there. Um, but a lot of smart people, like especially the like wide receiver gurus, really like Deontay Johnson. And let, let me just give you the quick game plan here. Let's say like you have the 110, okay? At like 310, you'll almost certainly be able to land Juju Smith-Schuster. You can then reach a little bit, just a little bit. And after this, you've already had about three or four wide receivers in your roster with Deontay Johnson in the early eighth round. And by that time, Ben Roethlisberger should, in the 11th round, should absolutely be there. So it's absolutely an achievable stack 
where you don't have to spend a first or a second round pick on any of these names. And Josh, uh, you also throw in James Conner, who I think you were higher on than anybody. So there we go. John Diggle, you're up. So admittedly been a little down at the dumps with all the news lately, Uh, but I got to keep the energy up. It's my brand. So what I did was I researched FFPC and underdog fantasy championship best ball leagues and noticed the ruling is that if a season plays six weeks, all prizes are final. Everything is paid out. So what we're going to do here, Josh, with our stacks is we're going to target the softest and most explosive schedules for the first six weeks. And for me, that starts with the Bills, who are projected for the ninth softest passing schedule to open the year. But I think there's a little more meat on the bone there because it is the Jets, the Dolphins, the Rams that are still getting overcredited for having a good defense despite losing pieces, the Raiders, the Titans, and then an up-tempo matchup hosting the Chiefs. Yes, Buffalo averaged the seventh highest run play rate when leading by more than a touchdown last year, but 19 of those carries in that situation were actually Josh Allen, and that's where we want to target to get all of these pieces anyways. So going Allen, Stephon Diggs, and John Brown gained you exposure to not only nearly all of teams' passing production, but all of their explosive plays, certainly. Yeah, I, I haven't been drafting a lot of Josh Allen, but certain, certainly in these tournaments, I can see the upside like where he just absolutely crushes with Stephon Diggs, who's the best deep threat in the entire NFL, at least last season. So um, I can get on board. I think looking at early season schedules is going to be important. We have just no idea what's going to happen with this NFL season. So I think Daigle's on to something here. Yeah, Daigle, you said it with a smile, but that's like a very pessimistic look at the NFL season right now. I can't blame you for having that pessimistic look at the NFL season right now or sports in general, unless, again, we're talking about Aston Bell in the Premier League. But what I can say is this is on brand for you in that where the rest of us are talking about certified offenses that have done it in the past, ones that are aesthetically pleasing, you're going, you're zacking a little bit here because I don't think anyone even people who like Josh Allen and love the roller coaster ride that he is uh, can say he's an aesthetically pleasing quarterback when it comes to, you know, hitting open wide receivers, making big plays when they count with his arm. Um, But I think that that's a good way to look at it, Daigle, because if he does take that next step, if he can connect on just like two to three to four to five of the 20 plus yard throws that he missed on John Brown last year and connect them to Stefan Diggs, who, as Hayden mentioned, led the NFL in 20 plus yard touchdown catches last season. Then you have, at least with that duo of a stack, one that a lot of people are not investing in. I'm shocked at where Stefan Diggs is going right now because he remains a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. And to me, there is a reason why the Bills went out and got him this offseason. It's a little dark, but with every situation, there's information. And so it's on us to make that information positive and, uh, and to help others. And I think this is the way to do it because no one is entering one of these championship drafts thinking, oh, like I might as well stack the first six weeks just in case. And I think that's one of the edges now, especially over this last month when we have a ton of exposure from offseason best ball leagues to this point. Uh, John Brown, it's going to be interesting. We have until Tuesday to get all the opt-out deadlines in. And John Brown, when sickle cell trait, we don't expect him to opt out, but it is a possibility. So it's either Diggs and John Brown, or perhaps even we see the reemergence of Robert Foster, if that's the case, which it's 2020, all bets are off. And this is the most minor of difficulties, but I wouldn't be surprised if that Tuesday deadline gets extended a few days as well. Sure. Um, 
So it, that's obviously an unknown in this entire factor. Um, I'm so shocked that, again, Stefan Diggs is going as the wide receiver 26. I mean, Stefan freaking Diggs is going as a wide receiver three in fantasy drafts. I understand one side of it, uh, but I like to bet on talent. I like to bet on, you know, the draft capital that's invested in these players because, to me, that equals opportunity at times. And that's absolutely what happened here with Stefan Diggs this offseason. And by the time you're listening to this, quick tout, I will have a live opt-out tracker on the site with some fantasy spins for every player as Tuesday approaches. Yep, got to create content whenever you can, John Daigle. All gotta right, pay the bills somehow. Let's move on over to our next team. Hayden Winks, it's yours. I've spent more time talking about this team than any other, and it is the Los Angeles Rams. And I think there's good reason for this. I think all these players are kind of being priced at, uh, I mean, relatively around their floor, especially with someone like Robert Woods, who's currently the wide receiver 18. Last week from weeks 8 through 17, so that's a huge sample size. Robert Woods was the wide receiver 8 on the, on the year. And I mean, he was on a, a, he's a positive touchdown regression candidate on top of that. Same with Jared Goff, same with Tyler Higby. So I think those three players, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby, and Jared Goff is a very affordable stack. Jared Goff's not going until the quarterback 17. You can basically wait until one of the last rounds in your home league to draft Jared Goff. And I think that Robert Woods could be a, a top 10, top 12 fantasy receiver just on volume alone, because I said this before the Rams, they play at the fastest pace while they're trailing. They also pass the ball at the highest rates while they're trading, trailing up at 84%. That's way higher than any other team in the league. So I think that if we think the Rams are not going to be as strong as they have been in, in years prior, that the passing offense is actually going to benefit, even if Jared Goff, we have some concerns with. Uh, professor, question, question. Go for it, Go for it Josh. Uh, why is Cooper Cup going as the wide receiver 13 right now? Okay. Talk about that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I keep going back and forth. Like on one hand, I think that there is like some volume concerns just if he gets pulled off the field. But I mean, he's produced for so long. Um, I think that Robert Woods is just the safer player. I have Robert Woods ranked well ahead of Cooper Cup um, just because there's no way Robert Woods is going to come off the field. There is some universe where Cooper Cup isn't as involved in the offense, but I mean, I think he's he's okay in tournaments. He's just a, a little bit, a little more riskier than I kind of want to be investing in. To score eight fewer touchdowns than Cup last year, but lead the team in target share, just screams positive regression and the guy you want for Robert Woods. Um, for me, Cooper Cup, it's just a really intriguing situation because I don't even value him inside the top 20. 1.35 yards per route run from the boundary last year, whereas when he moved to the slot, it was 2.27 yards per route run. Just a much better player, as Josh even talked about, on college film in Eastern Washington when he was used in the middle of the field because he couldn't beat boundary corners. So I am very concerned about Cup. And wide receiver 13, I actually didn't realize his ADP was that high still. I, I am so out on that. Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. 
Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. He's going ahead of Odell Beckham. He's no way. Of Juju Smith-Schuster, he's oh. head of Calvin Ridley, just to name a few. Um, Hayden, I have another question for you since you have the floor. Um, we know two years ago, this Los Angeles Rams team ran 11 personnel about 93% of the time. Last year, I'm looking at it right now. They ran it 73% of the time. That's a dip in about 20%. We know based on his actions, based on his words, that Sean McVay almost certainly is going to change the personnel on a weekly basis, on a drive base, I mean, on a play basis, obviously. What do you expect this team to look at? I mean, I, almost certainly across the league, again, unless you're the Minnesota Vikings or the Arizona Cardinals last season. The majority of your snaps were in 11 personnel. Do you think that's going to, again, happen here and the Rams are going to not specialize, but again, prioritize those three wide receiver sets? I would take the under on uh, 11 personnel over the last couple of seasons. I think they'll probably run uh, a second tight end out there more often than than they have in the past just to get another uh, guy on the offensive line just because they can't protect Jared Goff at all. And they're losing Todd Gurley, who led – the NFL and pass blocking reps among running backs. And they're going to re- be replacing him with a rookie who I think can pass block, but I mean, there is some concern there. So um, I think Tyler Higby is going to be on the field all the time. And I I've said a lot on Tyler Higby. I got to say one more thing. Tyler Higby last year, Gerald Everett, of course, everyone mentions the first 12 weeks of the season with Gerald Everett out snapped out, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Tyler Higby, Tyler Higby started week one, Tyler Higby out snaps Gerald Everett week one, Tyler Higby out uh, targeted, Gerald Everett week one. Then he went to the hospital because he had a punctured lung in week two. That's why Tyler Higby lost his starting job. He was in the hospital. He missed a couple games. He didn't return. And that's why Gerald Everett uh, became the starter. Remember, they paid Tyler Higby in the offseason. Gerald Everett hasn't gotten a new contract. They started Tyler Higby week one. He just happened to go to the hospital week two. Uh, valid excuse, I would say. Valid excuse. Uh, we've already also seen Sean McVay say that he wants to emulate Kyle Shanahan in his usage of running backs and his backfield. Wouldn't surprise me at all if they do the same thing with personnel groupings this year. I mean, now Kyle Shanahan is the one that everyone wants to be like across the league. And last year, the 49ers ran just 40% of three wide receiver sets, 11 personnel last season. So maybe we even see a drop from 73, maybe down to about 53 next season for the Rams. But I think part of it, Hayden, is what you always go back to. It depends on how much they're losing this year right because if you're losing you want more wide receivers in the field especially if you're the rams because you're going to throw the football more often so i guess we go and move on before we do move on i do want to say check us out on youtube go and subscribe to this audio podcast and all of you listeners out there one we appreciate you and two august is our biggest month along with september every single year it would mean the world to me if you would go and leave us a rating review if you would share this podcast, because the bigger the audience is in August, that means the bigger it's already, the audience is going to be in September, in October, in November. Cross your fingers, John Daigle. So it would, again, mean a lot to me if you would help spread the word. And the best way to do that is leaving us a rating review. It takes us about takes about 10 seconds, 15 seconds, five stars, please. Um, and doing that, again, would mean a lot. All right. Just like Hayden talks about the Los Angeles Rams. 
I talk a lot about the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's do it again. That actually comes from Hayden's preview. Um, the typically aggressive Doug Peterson finished 31st in pass rate while trailing last season and 23rd in percentage of passes thrown downfield. And that likely was contributed to by the wealth of wide receiver injuries this team faced last season. Um, we've already seen Carson Wentz play an MVP level, 33 touchdowns in 2017. Um, yet his average depth of target compared to that season in 2019 was almost two full yards. Uh, I think that this passing game can be a considerable value if you want to go quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver. Carson Wentz is going as the quarterback 13, uh, excuse me, the quarterback 10 right now after being the quarterback 13 last year in fantasy points per game. Jalen Rager, who I've talked about, I think, in every single episode this offseason, is going as the wide receiver 50 right now. That's the early 12th round. Draft him on every single one of your teams, even if you don't do the stack. And then even Deshaun Jackson, man. Deshaun Jackson, wide receiver 60, late in the 14th round in some leagues. And I understand why he's going undrafted. So if at the minimum you want to go with the quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver stack, the earliest pick is going to be the quarterback. And that might have to be in the seventh or the eighth round. And then the wide receivers are very achievable after that. Yeah, I think if you're looking at your team and it's been the, like the first nine rounds and you don't think that you have enough upside, you've picked, taken like a lot of slot receivers or like a David Montgomery, somebody like that. I think this is the, the easiest way to get upside on your team is with with these three names that you just mentioned here. And yeah, it's the cheapest stack out there that is like very, very concrete. If things happen, they will be a top 10 offense. And we got some news uh, with Alshon Jeffrey. There still is not a, a defined timetable for him. Um, he easily can miss the first six weeks of, of the year. Um, and Jalen Rager is going to be the guy that I think is going to be benefiting the most from this. And we got news of Marquise Goodwin, who is opting out of the season as well. So, I mean, there is a chance your real starting wide receivers are Jalen Rager, Deshaun Jackson, and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. And getting two of those three names, I understand, like, this team runs a lot of 12 personnel. And I should also mention that Zach Ertz, you know, was a tight end five in fantasy points per game last year. He's going as a tight end four early in the fourth round. But I will absolutely, to create a stack, take someone early in the fourth round if I need to at a position that we know we don't want to draft necessarily late because there are so many jumbled names in there, Daigle. And if you want to go Ertz, Wentz, Jalen Rager, beautiful, beautiful in my opinion. It's going to go beyond that, actually, because I would imagine we at least see uh, John Hightower also compete with Ortega Whiteside for that third receiver spot. So you have Hightower, who ran a 4-4-3-40 at the Combine, Rager, who ran a 4-4-7, and Deshaun Jackson, who ran a 4-3-5. Yes, Goodwin was a veteran speedy presence who at least understood training regimen and likely would have helped in the locker room, but they don't lack for Jets just because he's gone now. They still have younger pieces who can help Carson Wentz and the one area that team lacked last year, and that was just explosiveness over the top. So no matter what happens, even if Jeffrey starts on the pup list, you still have to love the Eagles stack, especially with their wide receivers in particular. Yeah, if you go back to 2017 and look at Carson Wentz's uh, average uh, depth of target, it was like among the league leaders is like basically like two yards higher than what it was last season. So all these speed receivers can help that out. And I think the, the forgotten man here is Dallas Goddard, who was like quietly like the tight end 13 per game last season. We're one Zach Ertz rolled ankle away from Dallas Goddard being a top five tight end. If all these guys in the double digit rounds of tight ends, he's the guy that has the easiest path 
to top five tight end production. It, of course, would take an injury, and we're not rooting for that, of course. But the upside is there, and he's – I mean, I haven't heard his name in any fantasy football podcast this entire summer. All right, one more team. John Dagle, who is it? Another team with an easy schedule the first six weeks – would be the San Francisco 49ers, as you talked about earlier. The Niners already have 98 targets, the 19th most available, missing from last season's production for anyone in their offense up for grabs. But since GM John Lynch just recently came out and said Debo Samuel is likely to miss some games this year, first of all, Debo becomes undraftable now, especially in redraft league, just compete for him on waiver wires whenever he comes back if he ever comes back. And then also the Niners will now enter at the very least their first few games out the gates with 179 available targets, the fourth most in the league, missing from last year's production. Not only that, but remember, Debo was also the league's leader in rushing yards from the receiver spot. That last metric, I do believe, even though I've heard some disagree, I believe it can be duplicated and replicated by first-round rookie Brandon Ayuk who averaged 11.1 yards after the catch as a senior in college in his final year. But the targets are prime for George Kittle to at the very least compete with, if not jump Travis Kelsey for number one tight end overall in fantasy this year. The rest of the way, you can go Ike, sure, but Jalen Hurd, who is a Marquez Colston, smaller Marquez Colston, gadget-like player for fantasy that could possibly earn wide receiver and running back uh, designation in your lineups, he's still going undrafted as well. So you can pick and choose between him and Ayuk the entire way uh, and get at least some of these players who have no choice but to see targets as long as they're in the lineup. Dago, I think the key to this, though, is you have to get George Kittle, right? If you don't of get course, George, Of course, of course, yes. What, what is the point of doing a 49er stack? In order to get George Kittle, you have to take him in the second round. Do you, it. Yeah, that might mean, you know, the first pick of the second round on the turn. That might be the fourth pick of the second round on the turn. And, you know, he's not going to be the highest on your queue at that point. But I would do exactly what Daigle just said, excuse me, what Hayden just said, and, and do it. Because there is an easy avenue, a very achievable avenue for George Kittle to finish the season as the overall tight end one. We know how ludicrous he was last year, despite having a multitude of injuries. I mean, it was a groin injury. It was an ankle injury. It was a knee injury. But where this 49ers team can progress is red zone touchdown percentage. Just 53% of the 49ers drives inside the red zone last year ended in touchdowns. That was 21st in the NFL for a team that was top five in, in total offense by any metric out there. And individually, George Kittle has never been a high touchdown scorer. Two touchdowns, six touchdowns, six touchdowns in his three career years in the NFL. Hayden, let's say he gets up to nine touchdowns. 10 touchdowns this season. George Kittle, again, has an easy avenue to being the overall tight end one this season. Yeah, definitely. Him and Travis Kelsey, their ceilings are so high. Not only are they just elite talents, they both are kind of have positive touchdown regression. And I think it's kind of bankable with both of them just by necessity. Of course, Travis Kelsey only converted like two of his 19 red zone targets for touchdowns last year. And then George Kittle just can't find the end zone for whatever reason. And George Kittle, if you look at yards per route run, which is basically the best metric we have, he was on another playing field than the rest of the tight ends, even the number two tight end last year. If he's on the field more, I mean, we can be looking at uh, a career year for George Kittle, who is in a contract year as well. So um, I, I'm, I like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle right around that round one, round two turn. 
I would go as far to say if you want to change it up a little bit, just go George Kittle number one overall anyways. Uh, George Kittle led Kelsey in fantasy points per game last year, but didn't finish as the overall tight end one. And it's very fluky that the past two years, George Kittle has turned 34 red zone targets into only four touchdowns in that time. Something's got to give. So why wouldn't it be the year the Niners will have 170 plus targets available for anyone, let alone the best receiving threat tied in the entire league to just soak up this year? By number one overall, you mean in the first round? Yes, by when you were usually taking Kelsey. Kelsey's going typically in the 6 to 10 range, particularly in tight end premium leagues where they receive a point and a half per reception. Like, why not? Like, why would anyone argue against just going Kittle at that position? Just wanted to confirm that. Also want to confirm your point on not drafting Debo Samuel at all. Uh, Don't not get cute unless information changes in the next three to four weeks. Do not get cute and draft Debo Samuel despite how many IR spots you have on your team this season. Right now, he is still he is still going as the wide receiver 33. That's ahead of Julian Edelman. That's ahead of Will Fuller. That's ahead of Brandon Cooks. So many names we've talked about. Deontay Johnson, Marvin Jones. I mean, you could keep going down the list. Don't do it. There is not a point to do it because by week five, week six, we will have more information at that time. And you have wasted a seventh round pick at that point. I mean, you just can't, you can't do it. And I think that we have seen Kyle Shanahan's type and you mentioned it, Daigle. It's George Kittle third in the NFL in yards after catch at his position. Tevin Coleman third in the NFL in yards after catch at his position. Debo Samuel doing the same thing. Guess who fills that role this season? Brandon Ayuk. And Hayden, you know this. A lot of evaluators didn't love what he put out there because it was one season of production and he saw the ninth most yards in college football last year on screen passes. While other people have questions, Kyle Shanahan sees gold. And I think that he's going to get Brandon Ayuk involved because he fills the critical factor list of what he looks for at that position right now. Yeah. When I was scouting Brandon Ayuk, I thought he was going to be he best profiled as like a team's number two receiver. But in Shanahan's offense, what he uh, excelled at is just yards after catch, jump offs, post routes, go routes, and that's what he's going to be doing. So I like the Brandon Ayuk call. Um, he's, I mean, you can, he's basically free, especially in your home league. He's going to be drafted. I mean, he's probably like young, wide receiver 80 on those rankings. So you can just keep scrolling and scrolling and then click his name at the end. The flat- he's going after CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Rager, and Justin Jefferson as the wide receiver 60 right now. Interesting. Yeah, I think I think I like kind of like all the rookies, but I'm out on by myself on that ledge. The flat four five isn't sexy, but when you're playing with the best play call in the league, you just have to trust that you'll be schemed uh, more open than you would in any other offense. Last last question. We talked about Kittle. We talked about Ayuk. Is there anyone else on this in this wide receiver group on this 49ers team that you think can get elevated because of that? Debo Samuel injury. We talked about Jalen Hurd as well. The issue with Jalen Hurd, Daigle, is that he was, what, a third-round pick who missed the entire 2019 season, has been termed a big slot, and we know the team loves Trent Taylor, who also missed all of the 2019 season. because And, like, they said that they have this role of a wide receiver tight end running back hybrid. Look, if anyone is going to create a concoction like that that's going to work, it's young Shanahan. Um, But the name, I think, if I'm going to be safe, that I would nominate is Kendrick Bourne, even though like he has a definite ceiling to his game in terms of his average depth of target is not high at all. It's just 8.4 yards. He's the one that I would feel safest committing to of the rest of that wide receiver group to at least get some production. 
That's fair. Uh, I still like Jarek McKinnon to receive a little bit of trickle down. I like reaching on Tevin Coleman for spiked weeks. Uh, but yeah, Kendrick Bourne, you're not the only person saying that. I've heard numerous analysts saying Kendrick Bourne, and I have none of him outside of when we were forced to draft him and mock drafts on this podcast. So, uh, I don't feel great about this, but for some reason, I'm the highest fantasy analyst in the world on Raheem Mostert, and this is terrifying uh, because basically every other smart person doesn't want to buy it, but I see just a player that's so much better than Tevin Coleman, and I know like running backs don't matter the whole thing, but at some point when you're at 438 speed and you were just dominant for half of the season, including the playoffs, maybe Raheem Mostert's the guy that gets a little more designed screens. He didn't catch a lot of passes last year, and of course that's the stat that everyone keeps going back to when they're saying to fade Raheem Mostert, but what if no Debo Samuel means now we're just going to do more running back screens? If there is a little dip in his value, that is about to change because of the restructured deal that he just signed again with the 49ers. And you mentioned, you know, the passing volume was not there, just 22 targets in all of 2019. But hey, I'm with you. I mean, on paper stats suggest it. He's averaged six yards per carry during his career. He averaged 13 touches for the final five regular season games of 2019, a figure that could grow maybe up to 15, up to 18, because Matt Breida leaves 150 touches on the table. If you can't tell, I just wrote the 49ers preview up on rotorworld.com. <laughs> Go and check this out if you want to. Um, he's he's going like low-end running back three, high-end running back two. I know that's an area, Hayden, that we really want to take wide receivers right now. But if you are in a pickle and if you want to aim for upside, Raheem Mostert is the type of talent in this backfield that if he sees 70% of the snaps, man, there's going to be a lot of production there. Yeah, I think fifth round, sixth round is like the perfect spot for somebody like Raheem Mostert, who we can't be completely sold on. But I think the upside is truly there as like a top 12 top 15 running back that's in the mix and if you go listen to chris sims podcast he just did a full hour and like 15 minutes with kyle shanahan highly recommend listening to that he named one running back during that podcast at least when i was paying attention to and that was raheem mostert so um i think the the rocket ship is going up and i'm just very very scared that i'm the only person touting his name yeah, look, Chris Sims has friends like Kyle Shanahan. I have friends like John Daigle and Hayden Wink. So who really wins in this scenario, guys? All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for being here, everyone out there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and rating review this podcast. I'll go ahead and mention that, and thank you for that as well. Daigle and Hayden, I know you still have some previews to write. We're almost done with that series. Good job on all of that. Um, we'll be back on Thursday night slash Friday morning with Patrick Darty. And Denny Carter will be yes. joining God the bless. show. So prepare yourselves. I will be moderating that debate. Let's put it that way. I'll just be moderating that chair. All right. Again, thanks for listening. Up the villa. Up the villa. Up the villa. Stay up the villa. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.